0: With yesterday being January 22nd, the anniversary of the Roe versus Wade decision, we always take this weekend each year, Cardinal Sean and uh, most priests around Boston to speak on that timely topic. And as I was thinking about it this year, about uh, what to say, I was brought to mind uh, something that happened to me recently in the past year, a conversation I had with a woman who came to visit and to talk about her interest in becoming Catholic. And she was explaining her life story and she was explaining she comes from, um, uh, she's been worshipping in typically liberal Protestant churches uh, and she has a secular job. And so in all of her friend circles, whether both at church and at work, uh, it is presumed that everybody is pro-choice, and she always sort of just presumed that about herself without thinking much about the issue. But she has a few kids, and one of her children has Down syndrome. And so as the child grew up, she started to realize that the secular liberal ideological framework, or whatever you want to call it, could not offer a satisfactory defense of the dignity of her son with Down syndrome. Even though secular ideology loves to proclaim love for things like social justice, equality, dignity, so forth, that same system also says that people like this woman's son should not be born in the first place. In her own words, she said, my son is a grit in their system, or as we might more commonly say, a a wrench in the gears. And so this caused her to start rethinking a lot of things in her life about her beliefs and about becoming Catholic. I was so moved by this conversation and her testimony that I kept thinking and praying about it more over the following days and weeks. And I began to think about all of the people I know who have family members with Down syndrome or or related uh, disabilities. And I started to notice a very distinctive pattern in all of these families that there exists within these families a very palpable warmth and a love that is a lot deeper than we might observe day to day with, in our relationships with one another. Because these families, with a family member with such a disability, like Down syndrome, are forced to learn how to love somebody who cannot give back tangibly in return. And these people also learn how to receive love from somebody and to, to share love and to, to share in a love that goes far beyond the visible, tangible fruits of love in life. And these are, of course, the deeper realities And it brought to mind a sad story that you might have seen on the news a couple years ago. Some leading figure in Iceland proclaimed to the world that they had defeated Down syndrome, they had eliminated it from their country. And anybody that's even minded about these things has to look at that and see that that is perhaps, I'm not trying to sound unnecessarily provocative here, but it just has to be said, perhaps that's the most diabolic euphemism of the 21st century. Because Iceland has not eliminated Down syndrome, they have eliminated people with Down syndrome, thanks to abortion. And this is not unfamiliar to the movement, because even the founder of Planned Parenthood, Margaret Sanger, is, in her writing, says that part of her purpose was to eliminate people of color through abortion. And that's out there. You can read that for yourself online. Planned Parenthood finally came around to acknowledging that a couple years ago and has distanced themselves from her, although they haven't stopped doing anything that she promoted. And so here we have just brought to the fore in all of these things what John Paul II aptly identified in his encyclical, The Gospel of Life, in the early 1990s, the culture of death versus the culture of life. And in the culture of death, that is where our dignity is bestowed on us and assigned to us by others based on external qualities based on our usefulness in society and to others. Whereas the culture of life is one that welcomes all people regardless of their dependence on others, regardless of what they can tangibly offer to society. And this does not just concern individual decisions. But this concerns the whole culture. So take the example that is pertinent today of, say, a single poor mother with an unplanned pregnancy. A culture of life seeks to shape society in such a way that she will have no doubt about her being cared for and loved, that she can bear her child and also flourish in society. If we think this is impossible, well, we can begin by diverting Planned Parenthood's annual income of $1.6 billion to mothers and families in need. And here's where Catholic social teaching shines forth with incredible cohesion and integrity person's dignity and worth begins at the moment of conception, when God himself, not man and woman, but God himself infuses the embryo with a unique soul that will henceforth exist for eternity. And that inherent dignity abides throughout all of life, regardless of anything else, Whether it be one's race or ethnic background, economic class, legal status, physical capability, or intellectual capacity. To marginalize any such class of people is an affront to the dignity bestowed by God at conception. Furthermore, Catholic social teaching teaches us that everyone, but especially the weakest, most vulnerable, and the poor, is essential for the flourishing of the world. Those whom the world sees as burdens or problems to be dealt with, are in fact the very persons who teach us truly how to love and live sacrificially. The weak, vulnerable, and poor dispel our illusions of autonomy, reminding us that nobody is fully independent. Nobody is who they are apart from the human family. Each person from the moment of conception until natural death is willed and loved by God. Each person is necessary. Or as St. Paul said in our second reading today, each person is a member of the body. Some parts are visible, some parts are invisible. And in the gospel today, we heard Jesus quoting the prophet Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring glad tidings to the poor He has sent me to proclaim liberty to captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free and proclaim a year acceptable to the Lord. Every baptized Christian has received that same anointing of the Holy Spirit to carry out Christ's proclamation of the good news to the poor. The Catholic Church in the United States does this in a very special way to women who have had abortions. Project Rachel is a ministry dedicated to helping such women of all ages find healing and freedom in a judgment-free, confidential setting. Many people also dedicate themselves to serving women and mothers at one of the 2,750 pregnancy care centers across the nation which offer free medical services, financial assistance, housing, and education for mothers in need. Every Christian is called to serve the poor through works of mercy and to build up the culture of life. Some are called specifically to the pro-life movement. Whatever you're calling, it is an invitation to see every human life in its full glory as a gift to the world, as wanted, as necessary. Thanks for listening to Within the Walls of St. Paul's Sunday Homilies. Please be sure to like us on Facebook and consider supporting us by visiting stpaulsharvardsquare.org. That's stpaulsharvardsquare.org. God bless and see you next time.